Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. It is Sunday, July 11, 2021. My name is Jason Thomas. I'm your host, and I am in, uh, well, just on the outskirts of Boston, Massachusetts. Southwick National was yesterday and uh, cruised over here. We'll see some dealers here this week, and uh, yeah, looking forward to spending a week of summertime in New England. Pretty nice up here this time of year, and then I will cruise over to uh, Millville on Friday and take in the Spring Creek National on next Saturday and then fly home Saturday night. So a little update on my location and plans, not that anybody cares, but uh, gave me an opportunity to get to a few races and uh, yeah, get out and see the East Coast for a bit. Now yesterday's race was pretty great, right? Uh, pretty exciting, especially in the, the 250 class. We just saw insane battles all day and crashes and excitement and yeah all the typical things that the 250 class brings pretty much par for the course in that class Uh, a lot of parody and a lot of unpredictability as it were before we get too far though let's thank the sponsors of this podcast pirelli tires guts racing plum creek funding fast foundry works connection premier vapor blasting of georgia 612 suspension blends all oils grant stone boots Pro Glow Wash and Fly Racing. And speaking of that 250 class, what a day for Hunter Lawrence, right? I mean, he gets his, you know, first 1-1 ever, and he does it in convincing fashion. And I don't know if, you know, for me, it's it's difficult to say that he was inarguably the best guy. Now, when you go 1-1, I understand the argument for that. You know, it's, it's a compelling argument to say, well, how can you even doubt it when someone goes 1-1? But if you watched R.J. Hampshire, then you would understand why I don't know. You know, and if you want to place blame on R.J. for crashing and tossing the winds away, and you can also say that, you know, staying upright is a part of racing and all those things, that, that's, that's fine. But I think R.J. should be in the conversation for you know, the, the fastest guy of the day or the best rider of the day. Um, unfortunately for RJ, he just can't seem to remove the variance in his riding. You know, he just has, he, he's just making too many mistakes. And this is not a new uh, tendency. This, this isn't anything new in the grand scheme of RJ's racing. You know, we've been talking about this for years that if RJ could just stay on his motorcycle and remove the 1% of those mistakes then he would win a lot of races and he would be in championship contention. Unfortunately, he has not been able to do that. And, and let's think about, go back to like Tampa Supercross of 2020. Before COVID hits, 
you know, RJ moves to Rockstar Husqvarna for the first time. You know, this is a year and a half ago. And he's in, you know, in the battle to win. And we're like, oh, man, this, this big change for RJ, you can see it. You know, he goes to Alden Baker's program. He switches teams to the Husqvarna. And it was just this really positive change. Yet, in the end, he crashes out, misses the finish line jump entirely, and throws away a chance at a, you know, a race win or a podium. And that trend and that tendency has continued. Like, that just has not gone away. And he was able to get the win last week at Red Bud. He goes 2-2 for the win. And, and I think he could have won again. You know, I think he threw away back-to-back wins because of his inability to stay upright. So I kind of got off track there. I, you know, I was talking about Hunter. But I think the story of Hunter's day involves RJ. Because I don't believe that Hunter goes 1-1 if RJ doesn't crash his way out of a moto win. And I'm sure Hunter doesn't care. You know, he'll take the bonus checks because I'm sure he gets moto win checks and overall win checks. So congrats to him. You know, I think it's been a long time coming for Hunter. You know, he's been in this class for a few years now. And if you go back to MX2, even longer. And he's he's been at the front. He's had a lot of opportunities to win motos and overalls in this class. And, and he's had that same issue as well. You know, he's had bike problems. But he's also crashed quite a bit. If you look at uh, even High Point this year, just a, a month ago, I felt like he could have won High Point. You know, he gets out front and then he tosses the, the lead away. So he's, you know, not any less prone than RJ at times. But I, I guess that's just the, the spirit of this class. You know, it's, it's youth and it's inexperience. And, you know, some of it's probably the way these guys have to attack the racetrack on 250s. You just have to be so aggressive and carry momentum and, and push the envelope because you have less power and, and the bikes will allow it. The bikes allow you to ride with much more aggression. So it's a little bit of a double-edged sword there. The net, you know, necessitation for higher level of aggression probably leads to more mistakes and being on the edge all the time, your probability of crashing just goes up. So I, I think it's hard to deny that. Uh, but you look at other guys that are able to remove a lot of that inconsistency. Even a guy like Jet, okay, he's 17, about to turn 18. He doesn't crash very often. And, you know, he's pushing the edge. He's on the pace, but he doesn't crash very often. Justin Cooper, another guy, he, he did have a crash on the start yesterday, but he doesn't crash very often at all. And those guys are pushing as well. Uh, but But overall, I think you just see much more, uh, you know, variance in results and and the inconsistency shines and and i don't know if you want to point to the bike or you want to point to the age factor uh so i guess take your pick on that but it's just something that you you certainly notice when you compare the 250 class to the 450 class uh justin cooper as i mentioned pretty solid day he goes down right off the start which was weird um you're used to seeing him at the very front and then he has to fight back all the way through. And, and I, don't, I didn't get to see the race on TV yet. I need to go back and watch it. But if, you, if they did show it, uh, Justin Cooper definitely ran into Jet Lawrence when he was on the ground. Hit his bike and then did a look back. Now, the question I had, was that intentional? Was there some sort of incident that I didn't see or that I missed? Or was it purely coincidental? And, and Justin Cooper was looking back, basically saying, oops, like, sorry, man, I hope you're okay. But there was definitely contact there. So just uh, another little nuance to keep your eye on. Um, 
again, I caught it too late to really see any intention, so I won't form an opinion of whether that was intentional or not, uh, but it, it certainly happened. So just something to, something to note there. I did think Justin Cooper rode really well in the second moto, nice bounce back. Uh, he's able to beat Jet in the overall, which is you know obviously critically important for the points chase. He certainly left points on the table in that first moto because if you, you know, if you imagine Justin getting a top three in the first moto with Jet having some issues, that would have really helped because Jet has been very consistent and, and there haven't been very many opportunities to make up big points. And Jet really just hasn't hasn't left the door open there. To his credit, you know, it's not very often you see a rider that's that young that is able to minimize mistakes and really put the pressure on. He, he's kept a, a really high level of pressure on whoever you want to say, Hunter, RJ, Justin Cooper, you know, obviously all the, the front runners in this class. They basically had to be perfect if they want to best Jet over the course of the season. And of course, that's why Jet has the red plate. So speaking of Jet, I, I kind of was underwhelmed with his moto. You know, he crashes in the first one and... I didn't really think he had much pace there. And if you look at the track, right, Hunter excelled on it. He just looked the best he's looked all year. And for good reason, you know, Hunter spent years in Belgium riding sand every day. And you could see all those crappy days in Belgium and Holland paying off at Southwick. And he's three years removed from that at least. But it was very evident to me that he had had the most experience riding those conditions uh, out of everyone. And okay, maybe not the most, right? Jeremy Martin and a lot of these guys have ridden sand a lot. But the point being, those conditions brought out the best in Hunter Lawrence. And I, I thought that those conditions would bring out the best in Jet as well. But it didn't. Like, he was good. Don't get me wrong. Nothing, nothing to really complain about. Certainly not looking for any sort of panic button. But... I was underwhelmed by Jet a little bit. He goes 6-3 on a day where I thought he would be on the podium overall no matter what. Like, I just didn't think there was any way he wouldn't be on the podium. And, uh, yes, somehow he he found his way off of it. A a crash, of course, helped. But I think the pace not being higher was what caught me by surprise. Austin Forkner, I don't know what to make there. You know, I struggle for really any accurate description you know i don't have a great analysis you know is it is it something with the training environment you know i don't th- i think robbie renard does a great job but if you look at the climate there benny bloss is not there anymore justin Bogle's not there anymore you know trey canard has been gone for a long time but as an overall sense of talent and pushing the envelope and making you be your best throughout the week it seems like that dynamic has changed a little bit for the negative for Austin Forkner. I really think it's critical. You look at a lot of these guys, uh, whether it's MTF or the Baker's Factory or Sandlot or The Nest or Club MX. Take your pick. It doesn't matter. You know, Red Dog Academy. Any of those facilities have a really high level of... Uh, back and forth, right? Guys all going the same speed that are pushing each other throughout the week and they're getting them themselves out of their comfort zone. You know, uh, what is it, 83, compound, compound 83 now where Jet and Hunter and all these guys ride. Each of these properties have a really high level of parity 
to, to where when you go there on a Tuesday, if you don't give it everything you've got, you're going to get smoked. And those guys are so competitive, they're not going to allow them that to happen, so they're going to keep upping the ante. They're going to keep feeding off of each other and pushing the pace. And that's, that's not a new concept. You know, that's why Ryan Villopoto brought Ken Roxon to the Baker's Factory in 2014, you know, the offseason of 13, was for that very reason. Because RV understood and Alden Baker understood that you, you need to consistently be upping the game. And if you allow yourself to be complacent throughout the week, if you are in your comfort zone throughout the week, then you're going to suffer on the weekends because guess what? No one's comfortable on Saturdays. The pace is never comfortable on Saturday. So the more comfortable you are with being uncomfortable, the better you're going to do on Saturdays and the less likelihood of a crash and the more likelihood that you're going to be able to go at the very top pace. So I don't know exactly what's going on with Austin Forkner. I don't know if it's mental, physical, training, you know, the uh, residue of the injury still rearing its head. I don't know. It could be a, a combination of all those things. But the most important thing here is that Forkner is not on the pace. He doesn't look good out there compared to his rivals. He, he's nowhere near the pace that he's capable of doing in years past. And something is up. It could be, who knows, right? I don't even want to speculate other than the fact of what I see with the lack of training partners that he has. That's really all I see is that he doesn't have the same level of competition throughout the week anymore. So I don't know what the answer is other than if he's wanting to make a big change, does he want to move to California? Does he want to move to Florida? That's up to him. I'm not even recommending that because I don't know the full story and that's not fair to Robbie Raynard for me to even say that, right? Because maybe they're, they could be working their ass off and it just it's not showing up on the weekend for whatever reason. So take it all with a grain of salt. But I think it's clear to everyone that something's not right with Austin Forkner and he needs to figure it out. That end of story period, he's, he's paid to be a race-winning guy. He is, in my opinion, supposed to be the number one guy on Monster Pro Circuit and he's paid accordingly. And he's not living up to it. It's just not happening. You know, he had a ton of time off to get ready for this motocross series, and it's not coming together. So let's see where it goes from here. I really thought he would be a lot better by now, and he's not. Uh, So, you know, I I think there are a lot of questions being asked by the team, by Mitch Payton. I'm sure behind the scenes by a lot of other people. And it's it's really up to him to, to figure it out at this point. And he's going into contract year well I don't know I I think he's safe to stay at Monster Pro Circuit I I truly do but when you talk about salary when you talk about expectations and you talk about your long-term future career path all those things are very much in question right now and I, I think he needs to reroute that he needs to turn the page and get this thing back on track and all of the great things that we've thought about Austin Forkner can still happen. That, that's still all completely relevant, but he's got to get this figured out. Joe Shimoda, I thought was a great day. You know, nothing flashy. He just kind of rode around in the top five all day, top three. But I really think he deserves a ton of credit for improvement. He's gotten much, much better than he used to be. And we used to kind of, I don't want to say we laughed, but when he was getting podiums in 250 Supercross last year in a really weak class, we were all kind of chuckling because 
I don't think anybody really felt like he was a podium level guy. It was just more the class was so depleted. That's not the case anymore. He, Shimoda has raised his game to a level where I think he deserves it. I think he has earned those podium finishes. So good for him. I love to see hard work paying off. And you can see the hard work showing up in his riding. You can just see all of the effort that he's put in to, to get better is really showing up. So kudos to him. Great job. 450 class, uh, we will do our power rankings here. And for those of you who may be listening for the first time, these power rankings aren't definitive. No one cares. It's just my opinion. And they really just kind of give me jumping off points to kind of tell my narrative a little bit about each guy and where I see them, how their race weekend was, and moving forward, what I expect. But they are fun, and it gives me, uh, yeah, I get to position these guys week in and week out based off of momentum, and I try to always factor in the year-to-date, you know, whether it's Supercross or Motocross. I, I try to keep it big picture, but I also try to factor in some uh, very micro uh, results as well. So you see a little bit of things trending um, one direction or the other. So at number 10, I have Joey Savacci, and kind of a quiet day for Joey. He gets passed by Dean Wilson on the last lap, which I'm sure was a bummer for him. Uh, but, you know, he's riding around right on the, on the backside of the top 10. He looks like he's in shape. I think he needs a little bit more top-end speed to really make the difference. That seems like the last, you know, couple percent that he's missing is just the sprint speed at the beginning. If he can get a good start, can he go with those guys at the beginning, which will make his life at the end of the moto that much easier. And the way I see that, you know, if you get a good start and you're running around two, three, four, five, six for 20 minutes and you have the ability to go with them, the last 10 minutes will probably take care of themselves as long as you're in shape. You know, okay, maybe, so, so what I'm getting at is if instead of him ended up ending up 10th or 9th or 11th, maybe if you run around there 5th, 6th for 20 minutes, you can hold on for an 8th. And that's how you slowly move up the ranks is that the longer you can stay up there, you just hang around and the further you stay, like the less you'll fall back towards the end of the moto and it gets easier and easier and easier to stay up there. As your fitness improves, as your comfort level with the pace improves, just as a natural process, you'll find yourselves higher up in the results. So we've seen him do it. We've seen him be four, five, six, seven in the results before. So it's not anything he can't do uh, it's just a process. You, you can't just snap your fingers overnight and get it done. Marvin Muscan at nine. Kind of a tough day for Marv, right? Uh, I was bummed for him. You know, he got great starts, and, and I really thought he would do well. I even picked him for for the podium for Southwick. You know, this is a race he's won a few times, and he's, he really rides the sand well. But you can just see he's missing something right now. He is not on the pace of the leaders at the moment he's just not and you see him get shuffled back immediately you know he starts two three four this weekend and it's just they're just pushing him out of the way ac even guys like sexton of course ferrandis tomac they're just like hey dude out of the way i gotta go right now move out of my way and that's not really something we've seen with marvin all that often so i was surprised by it didn't expect it I'm sure it had to be incredibly frustrating for Marvin. You know, when he gets that start on a track that he knows how to ride well, I'm sure his immediate thought is, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna win or I'm going to podium. Like, okay, I, I did everything I got to do. I just got to execute now. And it just wasn't coming together. And before you know it, 
he finds himself in eighth or ninth, and those guys are gapping him again. And it wasn't as bad as, like, let's say Thunder Valley, right, where the leaders are, like, half a track ahead of him. But it wasn't good either. You know, he was consistently slower, lap after lap after lap, and then they just are, after a few laps, they're just gone, and he can't see them anymore. That's a problem if you're Marvin. You know, he, he considers himself a race-winning guy, I'm sure. That's the goal, right? I think the same thing could be said for his teammate, Cooper Webb. Uh, you know, Webb was a little bit ahead of him in both motos, but the same thing is happening to both of them. They're getting the starts. They're getting pushed out of the way. And then they find themselves 20 seconds down from the leader at the end of the race, or more, even more than that. So at number eight, I have Chase Sexton. And not a bad day for Sexton. He did crash uh, in the second moto, which really hurt his chances at, a, at an overall. But where I feel like we're all kind of waiting on Sexton. We're just hanging around, waiting on him to break out. And I thought it would already happen. I really did. You know, he looks so good at the end of Supercross. And when you watch him ride, it is just poetry in motion, that guy. It just hasn't really come together in the moto yet, as far as like the entire 35-minute moto. I think it's still coming. I don't think there's anything to worry about. But if I'm being 100% honest, I already thought it would have happened. So maybe we're a little bit behind schedule here. That's not anything crazy to worry about. I don't, you know, I don't want it to seem like I'm putting him down because I'm not. But I'm just starting to get the feeling that we're a little bit behind schedule as far as when I thought he would break out. You know, we're not even halfway through the series yet. But if you had a gun to my head, I would have thought he would have won a moto by now. I really thought he was ready to have a breakout 450 motocross season. And it's just not quite happening yet. So we'll see, right? Plenty of time left. He's still super young. It's only his second season on 450. All those things are very, very much true. I'm just talking about my expectations. And maybe mine are a little bit high. Maybe I was just expecting too much. Uh, but that's just where, where I'm at on it. Number seven, I have Barsha. And Barsha gets on the podium yesterday. Great job. He, he needed to pass. Uh, who was he trying to pass there at the end? should know this. I was sitting there watching it. He had to pass maybe Webb. He had to pass somebody in the second moto to get on the podium. And it was between he and Tomac for that third spot. And, and Steve Mathis and I were standing there watching it. And he got it done. So great job by him. He makes the pass late, I think, with like two laps to go to secure the podium overall. And this is a track he rides well. So it's not shocking that he gets on the podium. But if you've been paying attention to Barsha, it hasn't been all that great. As of late, you know, he started the season really strong at Paula and then it kind of went backwards, so to speak. He just didn't seem to have the pace. If you looked at some of his races, he was hanging around the top 10, but he didn't have that move forward pace where he could just, he could pass, he could make moves and he, he was just faster than the people around him. He hasn't had that in a minute. So it was nice to see him get that back and be charging and be aggressive and get a podium for the day. So good job from Barsha. Nice to see him staying relevant in this series. Number six, I have Cooper Webb. And yes, I am still weighing Supercross into this. Do I think he should be ahead of Barsha purely on motocross results? No, I don't. Uh, Barsha's been better. Barsha has podiums. Webb has none. But when you are the Supercross champion and when you have that dominant of a season from January to May, I'm always going to leave that in there. It doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be good for a couple spots always in my book because realistically he should probably be eighth where Sexton is 
and those guys should be ahead of him purely based on motocross. But yeah, that's not how this sport works. We have, you know, an entire sport. We have two different series and supercross, you know, for right or wrong weighs more heavily with sponsors and series and financially and exposure and all those things. That's just, that's just the reality of the sport we're in. So Webb stays at number six and I will go number five. I'll go Cincerillo. And, you know, I thought, I, I thought it was good for AC to come out with details on his arm, the nerve issues he's having, the loss of strength, and sometimes the loss of feeling in his arm. I don't know that there's very much to be gained with being super opaque with what's going on, right? Because then people just think you suck. They think you're out of shape. So I think if there's truly something up, and you're not in a championship battle, which is really kind of not, just come out and tell us what's wrong. And then at least there's something to point to. And we don't all think that your, you know, your program's not working or you're not riding good or you're not training. Like there are all of these jumps to conclusion that people want to make if they don't know what's wrong. And that's purely the result of not knowing. So when people don't have answers, they're going to make up their own answers. And 99% of the time, those answers are going to be wrong. So I believe if you just come out and you're truthful and you're transparent and you're honest, then you give everybody the information they need. And then they don't have to draw their own conclusions. They don't have to make up their own answers because as we know in this sport, most people aren't clued into what's exactly going on. I, they, I just see so many theories out there that I just shake my head and I, I facepalm because they're nowhere near accurate, but at the same time, I can't blame them because they don't know. You know, no, no one's telling them exactly what's up, so they're forced to come up with their own theory, and a lot of times those just get really, really far out in the weeds. So long way of saying kudos to Adam for being upfront about what's going on, and when you see him struggling mid-moto or late in the moto, then you have a, a valid reason for why what's happening, right? And hopefully he gets that sorted out for... 2022 i'm sure he will uh but it is tough you want to see him run up front you want to see him stay up front and, and be in that lead battle but yeah clearly he can't hang on so talk about the sponsors a little bit uh you know pirelli tires they win uh mxgp again last weekend if you saw the guys running that scoop tire that's the way to go at a track like southwick um you know i got to wa- i got to see all the tire changes going on at majora a week ago and I apologize for not doing a podcast last weekend. I just yeah, 20 hour travel day on Monday and after the race Sunday was super late. Uh, just wasn't able to get it done. But coming back from the MXGP, obviously Pirelli rules the MXGP series and uh, they get the win again over there. And then I got to see the Pirelli guys this weekend running that scoop tire and ripping starts. Uh, so kudos to Pirelli and they're getting ready for Loretta Lens. They have that new mini MX32, so check that out, the uh, Scorpion Mid-Soft 32 for the Mini. Palm Creek Funding, get your refinance done now. I'm telling you guys, I I study this stuff nonstop. I pay attention to the news and the markets more than I ever have in my life by (laughs) probably a 1,000%. But interest rates are going to go up. They're already moving towards the upside a little bit, and you want to take advantage of the opportunity because once they go up, I don't think they're coming down for a very long time. You know, the Federal Reserve is being very, very patient, much to uh, probably the nuisance of some analysts. I, I think there are a lot of people out there that want to see them act 
sooner than later. They wanna see them start tapering all of these uh, asset purchases and mortgage-backed security purchases. And they wanna see them start raising rates to stem inflation. That's a raging debate and you can get every opinion in the world about what should be done or shouldn't be done. But long-term, everyone agrees that the Federal Reserve is gonna raise rates. And when they do it, you're not gonna see them come back down for a long time. That is, that is consensus from everyone, which means that's exactly what's gonna happen because they have to. They have to recoup uh, all of this, all this buying and they have to find a way uh, to, once they get inflation rolling, which is what they're trying to do, make no mistake, the, the Federal Reserve is trying to create inflation right now. They're doing everything they can to create inflation because we've been in this state of deflation for a couple of decades and they're trying to get it, get it going the other way. So once they get inflation rolling, which we're seeing some, some signs of it, you're seeing like gasoline prices are up, you know, lumber was out of control there for a while. All these commodities, the prices were through the roof, which was a, a very, well, some people would say a short term, you know, results of inflation. We'll see if this, if this is transitory or if it's long term inflation they've already caused. But the point of all this is that once they do cause inflation, they're going to raise the rates to slow inflation down. That's how they counteract inflation is they'll raise rates to slow these things down. They'll, you know, decrease borrowing. Basically, you know, as rates go up, the people will borrow less because it costs more to borrow money. And then that slowly governs the economy. It slows the economy down. You know, the, the Federal Reserve basically acts as throttle control for the, the economy as a whole. You know, if the economy sucks, they lower rates and really stimulate people borrowing and spending money. And if the economy's on fire and maybe getting a little too hot, they will raise rates, slow that borrowing process down and slow inflation down a little bit. So they're basically just monitoring and they're adjusting as they see fit to keep it in this sweet spot. They always want to keep the economy running in this sweet spot. So long way of saying you need to refire, you need to buy now. You know, I don't want to say buy now because I'm not buying a house right now. Prices are out of control. But if you are having to buy something, you probably want to do it soon. You know, if if that's something you're going to do no matter what, regardless of the price, then you want to take advantage of rates. And you certainly want to refinance your house right now. So reach out to Plum Creek Funding. Zach Morris, his number is 720-212-4685 for more information on that. Guts Racing, go get that RJ Wide Wing Seat. If you want to ride properly, you want to grip the bike with your legs, you want to be, you know, gain more control over what the motorcycle is doing, and there is not a more important situation than sand, right? Riding Southwick, you have to grip with your legs. Instead of that bike swapping all over the place and getting loose in all the sand, you have to grip with your legs so you control it. That's what that RJ Wide Wing seat was created for, was to give you more surface area to grip with. You can also get custom graphics, you know, Rockstar Husky is, is a Guts Racing endorsed team. You can create your graphics to look just like theirs. You can make them, you know, put your small business on them. Do whatever you want, but use Guts Racing to do it. Fast Foundry, whether you have a small business, whether you have some huge corporation, if you need to get more efficient, reach out to Fast Foundry. They have all kinds of solutions. Everything from, if you just need to get more uh, you know, if your team needs to get more conducive to using Excel, there, there are so many applications. You can do virtual events. They have an answer for every need at Fast Foundry. So reach out and ask for Robert over there. 
Works connection, promo code JT21, get that pro launch start device. See those guys grabbing hole shots each and every weekend. Most of the teams out there are using Works Connection for a reason. Easy to install. You don't have to be an engineer to put your hole shot device together, which is probably my favorite thing because I suck at stuff like that. And even I can do it. It's been around for a long time and teams use it, as I said, for a very good reason. So go to at Works Connection or WorksConnection.com and use that promo code JT21. Blends All Oils, check out the new Ultra TPI. You can go to blendsall.com and you go to at blendsall on Instagram. They sponsor all kinds of podcasts, teams, riders, Michael Wessie. Uh, yeah, and they're just super aggressive. They're trying to bring that, that brand back to the forefront. You know, it's a brand with a ton of legacy, but it kind of fell off the radar a little bit and they want to change that. So check out Blendsall and all the great products they have to offer. Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, great restoration company. If you have an older bike, Maybe you have a project bike that you want to make, you know, make look sweet again. You know, Steve Mathis is super into that. Uh, my coworker, Max Steffens, does this a lot. Use Premier Vapor Blast and get those parts back to new again. Or even if it's just your race bike, right? You're going to Loretta's. You want to have that thing looking super trick. Like my friend Paul Parabinos is headed to Loretta's, I guess, probably next week. I don't know, next couple weeks. But everybody wants to have the coolest bike at Loretta's, right? It's a huge fashion show. Well, Premier Vapor Blasting can have your bike looking brand new with their unique restoration process that they have. And I would go to at Premier Vapor Blasting on Instagram to get a great idea of what they can offer for you. And if you call and you mention the Industry Seating Podcast, you will get a discount. 612 Suspension, mention the podcast, you will get a discount as well. They are a race tech affiliated company, so you know you get the quality parts and service that you deserve. And they can do everything. They can do uh side by sides they can do street bikes they can do mopeds they can do dirt bikes off-road anything that's basically power sports and has suspension on it 612 suspension can get you dialed in i've known ronnie the owner and operator of 612 suspension for 30 years i've known his you know his whole family he's a second generation suspension technician and he's truly an expert he's at the track multiple days a week and he knows real life situations to make sure that your bike is dialed in get your oil changed Get race tech revalve, get you know gold valves put in. Uh, they can get you super set up and just get your bike working well or whatever it is side by side. Like I said, whatever the power sports item you have, have it working to you know how it was engineered and designed to work. That's probably the most critical aspect of it. Grandstone boots. If you guys saw my Instagram story a couple of weeks ago, I got a brand new pair of Grandstone boots and they are super sweet. I love that company. I you know I've got to watch it from the very ground floor and Wyatt and the team over there just creating incredible products and to see them grow and they have this huge range now this this really nice collection and it, it just blows me away to watch that whole thing unfold like they just have this super professional brand and I remember my very first conversations with them like oh, oh that's cool you're gonna make you know make boots and all that stuff and it was just this really small startup, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really blossomed into something pretty incredible. So, grandstoneboot.com, at, at Grandstone on Instagram, and you can uh, see everything that they have to offer. ProGlow Wash, use the promo code MOTO15. Ryan and the team over there have really created something special with their ProGlow Wash. I did an interview with him at the Arlington Supercross. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want more information on exactly why you should be using Pro Glow Wash, but it comes down to the formula that is specifically 
built for power sports. You think about all the weird dirt that you encounter with motocross, the oily substances from chain lube and, you know, gas residue and all these things that we as motorcycle people, whether, you know, it could be side-by-sides, could be quads, could be whatever. We all encounter the same substances, all this grime and even like road grime, you know, think about all the, the that oily substance that gets all over your sprocket and your swing arm from chain lube. ProGlow Wash is formulated to remove all that stuff. So you want to make sure that you use something like ProGlow that is built for exactly what you're using, right? If you go get Simple Green or you go get some off-the-shelf wash at Walgreens, it's such a wide range of uses. It can't be specific to what we need. It's not built like ProGlow is for exactly what you want. So it's a motorcycle company, motorcycle people, you know, Ryan's a second generation racer, they're into car racing, they're into dirt bikes. So why not buy from people that are like-minded just like all of us? And that, that's really it for all of these sponsors. They're all motorcycle people and that's who I like supporting. I like to give my money to like-minded people and I know what they're about and I know that their hearts are in the right place. Last but not least, Fly Racing. We are one, no, two weeks away, less than two weeks away from the 2022 line coming out. It will debut at Washougal which is 13 days from now. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for everybody to see it all. Launch video comes out, website goes live, all those crazy things. I got to do all these Zoom videos with the media to get them dialed in, which is a a fun part of my job. I don't mind that at all. That doesn't feel like work to me. I get to talk about all the cool projects we've been working on for for years now. Uh, But go check that out, flyracing.com. So thank you for listening to all of those commercials, I'm sure a lot of you guys fast forward them. I can't stop you. I, I get it. Um, but I, I would I would ask this, right? If you listen to the podcast every week, I appreciate you for doing that. How about once a month you listen to all the commercials from start to end? How about that? That's fair, right? You listen to them. If you buy products, you use the promo code. And then everybody wins. The sponsors of the podcast win. You win because you get to save money. And I win because I am doing my job supporting these sponsors. Okay, back to talking about dirt bikes. Aaron Plessinger at number four. Heartbreaker, right? I ate dinner. I don't say I ate dinner with him because that's not really fair. I ate dinner next to him Saturday night, which is last night, uh, in Windsor Locks, Connecticut. And for those of you who don't get to travel very often, Windsor Locks is the town where the airport is for Hartford. So if you fly into Southwick, you fly into Hartford Airport, which is Bradley Airport which is in the city of Windsor Locks. I don't know why I went into so much depth of that. But the main hotel there is the Doubletree. Most teams stay there. AP was there. I sat a couple seats down from him. We were chatting about the race and whatnot. And yeah, his uh, he had an engine failure in the second moto. Just a really freak deal. Uh, they, switched mo- they switched engines in between motos. And something got in the engine when they did the engine swap. And if you know... <laughs> If you know anything about that scenario, if there's something inside the engine bouncing around, that doesn't last long. You know, there's a particle or a piece of metal bouncing around is just, it's a pinball and it does damage to everything. And yeah, within a lap, you know, AP's engine was completely done and you saw him pull into the mechanics area and that was it. So bummer for him. He was third in points. He got third in that first moto. He looked set up to do that again. Got a great start in the second moto. And yeah, just uh, had to take a step back there. He was in good spirits. He understands there's nothing he can do about it. He's got multiple contract offers for next year, so it's not like he's stressing about anything. But 
at the same time, you know, my point to him was I, it, it's tough. You do all this work during the week, you bust your ass, you do everything right. And then something out of your control takes away and, and ruins your day and costs you a ton of points. And, uh, yeah, you just got to take the good with the bad sometimes and understand that it's dirt bikes and dirt bikes break. And, uh, yeah, we have to see another day. Number three, I have Ken Roxon. And damn, didn't it just feel like he was going to run away with that second moto? You know, when he got the, he got to the lead, he passes Webb and he just takes off. And I remember thinking to myself, you got to go right now, Kenny. You got to drop the hammer, everything you've got. Because I didn't know if it was going to be Ferrandis or Tomac or who, but I was like, if you can go now and break them, it's over. You'll get out front, you'll get too big of a lead, and whoever does try to make a run here will look up and see you way out there and and they'll they will see the lead as being too big. There's too much gain, there's too much ground to cover and they won't be able to gain that ground back. So that's how I was kind of working through the scenario when I see Kenny get to the lead is like go now, everything, like fastest laps you can possibly put in, drop the hammer, build a 15 second lead and then you can manage it. He wasn't able to really do that and I don't know if he was trying to do that or if he felt like he with that like five second lead, if that was enough. But when you saw Tomac get a second, you're just like, oh boy. Because you see Tomac, he drops into that 216 range a couple times and it's like, well, that's done. He's going to reel Roxanne in real fast. And then, yeah, he did. Like he just, Tomac went into that otherworldly zone, which we've seen lately. We have seen Tomac be able to harness that level in the second moto. And I don't know why it's only the second moto. Maybe that's something we need to look into but he's able to find it in these second motos and yeah run away with wins eh, maybe uh maybe red bus second moto wasn't running away with it but enough to get it done enough to win that second moto it wasn't enough for a podium overall because the first moto was terrible but uh it is good to see tomac winning and the more guys that can be in the mix to win motos the better but as far as Roxon goes, this, you know, this number three spot belongs to Roxon. I, I thought he could win that second moto. I really, really did. Um, but yeah, those guys are just too strong. Uh, Tomac, you know, when he's feeling it, Ferrandis wasn't able to catch him. So kudos to Kenny for staying in second. But he just doesn't have that last little bit right now that he had at the beginning, right? He was able to at the beginning. He could just run away and, and have enough. Whether it's Ferrandis, whether it's Tomac, it's been AC at times. Someone just has a little bit more. Number two is Eli Tomac. And I have him too because he's won three out of the last six motos. He was also right up there in the championship. And, and I understand if you want to say that Roxon should be ahead of him. Because Roxon is ahead of him in points. And Roxon finished ahead of him in Supercross points. So that's a fair, that's a fair complaint. And I... I understand, but I'm only going off of what I see. I'm giving it the eye test. And with Tomac winning three out of the last six motos, I just think Tomac is trending upwards. He just looks like he's getting better right now. Now, he's got to figure out a way to get these first moto blues out of the way. I don't know what's happening there. That first moto this weekend was not good. But the second moto, you're seeing the Eli of old, and that's a really positive uh, you know, a positive sign, a positive trend, however you want to want to put it. So I'll put Tomac at two, but it's really dicey between Roxon and, and Tomac for two and three. Number one is Dylan Ferrandis. And you look at his races so far, and it's not hard to figure out why. 
He hasn't finished off the podium yet in a moto. So I don't know what it's going to take. A crash doesn't seem to matter if he gets a good start or a bad start. You know, the second moto, he didn't, he didn't rip through the pack as far as like catching rocks in her Tomac, but he was still good enough. His fitness is good. His starts are pretty decent. His, everything's there. The pace is incredibly good. Uh, so yeah, I just, I don't see really any holes in Ferranis's game right now. You know, I, I'm running out of reasons to think he won't win this championship and we're a long way to go. We're not even halfway. So it's, it's too early to draw conclusions, but damn, he looks pretty good. Uh, he really seems like he has a pretty firm grip on the series right now, as far as just, he's letting things come to him. He's not panicking. He's not making bad decisions. He's not, you know, getting into trouble. And that's a big part of any series is, can you consistently stay out of trouble? You know, if if there's a first turn pileup, can you avoid it? Can you make the right decision when you have to make a pass, right? If, if the move's not there, will you remain patient? If it's time to really go and you got to pick it up and the pack's getting away, can you raise the level of urgency and raise your game? Can you do all those things? And, And he has able, been able to answer the bell every single time so far. And uh, I've just been wildly impressed with Dylan Ferrandez so far. So kudos to him. He's your points leader. He deserves everything so far. He gets another overall with a 1-3 at Southwick. And yeah, nothing really more you can say other than uh, great job. And I have, I, I don't want to say I've never been more impressed by a 450 rookie. That's probably a victim of the moment a little bit. But I didn't expect this. I really didn't. If you looked at his Supercross season, you saw the speed, but there was so much inconsistency. Crashes and just, he was all over the place. I mean, bad results, crazy speed, crashes, get it, pick yourself up, run away from the leaders like Orlando. <laughs> but to, to see this level of consistency is the exact opposite of all that. To be on the podium every single moto so far is just, I don't, I don't know how he turned the corner from where he was to where he is, but he's certainly done it. So yeah, again, great job. Um, so that's it for this week. Again, we'll be, uh, Millville next weekend. I do a Patreon podcast that is kind of a warm up to the day. It's every race day morning. So if you want to check that out, it's patreon.com slash industry seating. Had one yesterday morning, kind of giving my insight to what I thought the day would bring some fantasy advice and uh, a few predictions in there as well. So check that out. But other than that, We'll talk to you next Sunday. See you.